0: Welcome to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting verse 5. Who then is Paul? Who then is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers or co-workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wonderful people. Um, Thank you for your presence. We don't take lightly that you are with us and that you'll never leave us nor forsake us we don't take lightly that we can experience your presence together as we worship on this beautiful sunday and we open our hearts would you lift your hands with me and just thank him for his presence and just say this out loud say open my heart to you to hear what you're saying to me in jesus name amen now just seal it with praise would you thank him for a minute I want to to discuss uh, what I feel like the Lord is saying to us as a people. I believe this word could be um, to the body of Christ in general. There is something, though, about just becoming the church. There's something about understanding in a lot of different ways. Like, it's one thing to understand the church is not the building. We know that. And it's also important that we know that we are not the church by ourselves. We are the church together. Now we can be the church in the sense that we could gather in a coffee shop, awakening cafe, come on somebody. And we could pray together, we could gather in the name of Jesus. How many know that if two or more are gathered, his presence is manifested. Jesus said that in Matthew 18. So, we're the church when we when we come together. But there is a, an authority upon how many know that churches need leaders. How many know that Jesus's gifts to the body of Christ, the church is leadership? Right. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So I believe that we as the church can come together and we are the church, but there is an authority, an ecclesia like an ecclesiastical authority that comes when we gather and there is Jesus's gifts that are appointed and anointed by him to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What I'm saying is there is a point where, let's say that, you know, believers are just hungry to gather and worship. Let's say we're in another country where there's not a lot of churches and, 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 and there's a group of people that get born again. When does a church become the church? When does the people of God become a, an ecclesia where God there is an authority of heaven? I'll tell you when. When people are gathering and then there's a combination of leadership and parishioners that come together in harmony. When Jesus anoints somebody to equip his saints, and when the saints come together, it could be in a home with four people, but there are people that God has anointed to teach, preach, to shepherd, to pastor, come on, to be apostles, prophets, teaching, all that stuff. So there is something, here's why I'm saying this, is because the church is not just me meeting with sister or brother so-and-so at Starbucks reading the Bible. There is an authority, a grace, a sacredness of us being the people of God. So I would say this, that maybe you attend different churches. Maybe this is your home. I would say bloom where you're planted and, and awaken to the destiny and the realization that it's important that you are a part of an ecclesia, a church. Yeah. Like hang your membership, put your heart into it. Serve, give, love, plug in, build relationships because right now the body of Christ needs this. Now, I, I've seen this happen time and time again where it's like, well, yeah, I, I go to church, but that's not really my church. My church is this, this. Well, I get it. Like, I understand that. Like we have relationships that we have that are closer than others, but there is a grace and authority upon a, a, a an assembly of the saints. And right now the body of Christ is kind of divided. like we, And we need to be family. We need to be the church now more than any time in his, history. And I'm looking at this text here and I see Paul's addressing the division in the body of Christ. There's been a lot of division in the body of Christ over the silliest things. And Paul's saying, church, first of all, he says this, y'all need to grow up. Can I paraphrase? He's like, you're man, I got to give you milk again. You're acting like babies. You're doing, your, your desires aren't healthy. Like you're walking in the flesh. You need to grow up. And he says, and there's division among you. People are saying, oh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. How many know that we need to get our eyes off people and get our eyes onto Jesus? And the church right now has been divided over the craziest stuff, whether it's a political party or if it's if you're unvaccinated or vaccinated or if you're pro-mask or anti-mask or whatever. And I say enough of that and realize that when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can be a healthy church that the world looks at and says, that's what love looks like. I don't know about you, but you know, like family is important relationships are important and I know there's no perfect family as a matter of fact I think every family's got a little Jerry Springer in there come on somebody (laughs) how much more church sometimes has a little Jerry Springer in there right but we're meant to learn how to love and Paul's dealing with this in the church he's dealing with this in the body of Christ and he's saying guys don't forget that I just sowed a seed and someone else watered it but it's God that gives the increase. Then he says, the one who sows, the one who plants, and the one who waters are one. He's saying like, we're no different. We're both just preaching Jesus, and you became believers, and it's God who gives the increase. There's something that he says in here that I want to focus on, and we're going to unpack this just a little bit, and I want to tell you a story. He says, we're God's fellow workers. You know that word, fellow workers, is, I mean, it means, uh, actually, it's where we would get the word synergy. How many have ever heard the word synergy? Yes. So I, I feel like we're, we're missing out sometimes because we are trying to impact based upon our own effect. We are trying to do something based on what we, we can do alone. This is what the word synergy means. And Paul's saying we are God's Center JO, we are God's co workers. In other words, he says, Apollos and I work together, and we work together with you, but we also work together with God. There is, do you know that God actually chooses to partner with us to do his work in the earth? Yeah. Like he wants us involved. He chooses sovereignly to involve us to do. His will and work on the earth. Now, here's what the word synergy means. The interaction or co- cooperation of two or more organizations, substances, or other agents to produce a combined effect or impact greater than the sum of their separate impact. See, we all have an impact, but if we work together, we can have a greater impact. And right now, we live in a time where the church needs to be the church more than any time in history. And how do we do that well paul says two things here he says you are god's field the word in the greek could also mean you're god's vineyard it reminds me of john chapter 15 where jesus says abide in me and let my words abide in you he also says this and there's this concept of abiding in christ what does that mean well, it can mean a lot of things it's intimacy it's knowing him but i think more than anything it's summed up in john 15 9 where he says The same way that the Father loves me, I have loved you. And then he says, abide in my love. In other words, how do you abide in Christ? You abide in his love. How do you abide in his love? You let his love nourish your heart so that your, your heart and your relationships and your church and your life can be like a water garden that grows and bears fruit the way God designed it to. We just read it in Psalm chapter one. So he says, you are the vine, I'm the branch, or I'm the vine, you are the branches. In John chapter 15, this is, Paul is using this kind of language here. He says, you are God's vineyard. You are God's field. Corinthians, don't forget, you're like a garden and there's some weeds and I'm trying to work through these weeds. How many think there's some weeds in a lot of church communities? How many have ever experienced any church hurt? Raise your hand. I could raise like four hands if I had them because I'm a pastor. Pastors experience that too. How many know that that should never be a reason for us to give up on relationships? Relationships take work. I used to think when I got married, it was just going to be like honeymoon every single night. I learned the hard way that marriage takes work. Come on, somebody. I thought I'd come home after a long, hard day at work behind a desk or running baggage as a bellman. That wasn't really a hard job, it was actually pretty easy. I lived in Vegas, man, that's the kind of jobs you have out there. Then I was a loan officer, I thought I'd come home, my wife would greet me, you know, like leave it to be style, <laughs> and she'd be like, I made you a sandwich, honey, that's not how it was. <laughs> I got home and I cooked, cause I gotta serve the queen. Come on, somebody. I was messing around first service, and I don't think first service knew I was kidding. So just forewarning, I'm joking. But I, when my, even when my wife doesn't feel good, I'm like, honey, I know you don't feel good, but you're my wife. I'm going to need you to make me a sandwich. I'm just playing. Some of you guys are like, pastor, that is so chauvinistic. I'm joking. How many know marriage, you start off in a relationship, and it's like honeymoon, come on, somebody. We've never fought. Oh, my God. Well, stay married. You will. Same thing in church. Like church is wonderful. Man, the worship's so good and the pastor loves us and praise God. Listen, if you're not offended yet, hold on. You're going to get offended. Just don't let it cling to your heart. Just don't stay there. Just choose to love. Choose to forgive. Choose to believe again. You know, we talk about like, well, we should love, and they'll know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Love is other-centered, self-giving, and sacrificial. If we want to walk in love, we need those things to produce out of our lives. But how many know in relationships, things can go awry? And Paul's dealing with this, and he's saying you are his field. May God cultivate us as a church community that is sacred to bear fruit. How many know the scripture says in uh, Hosea 10:12, it says, break up your fallow ground for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness upon you. Sometimes the Lord will bring me back to this verse and there are moments where the Holy Spirit says, you have some fallow ground in there. I want you to break it up. You need to forgive this person. Pfft, Lord, I don't need to forgive them. And then I start arguing with God. How many know arguments with God never works? If arguing with my wife doesn't work, how am I going to argue with the Most High God? Right? Come on, husbands. You feel me right now? <laughs> I start arguing with God. Oh, I don't have no fallow ground. Come on. Lord, give me a break. No, 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 no. The Lord is dealing with me, and he's saying, there's some fallow ground there. And He said, here's what the Bible says, break up your fallow ground. Sometimes we're like, oh, God, you know, break up my fallow No, you break up the fallow ground. You allow the word to go down deep in your heart and break up the, those, maybe there's some callous areas because of serious relational things that we go through. Life is tough sometimes. And can I just encourage you, not everything bad that happens, I would say this, that evil, destruction, and suffering, none of it is from the very heart of God. You know, there's this idea that God exhaustively controls everything, and it's not very comforting because it's not a biblical idea. Jesus said, pray, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, meaning it's not always God's will that's being done on the earth. And so when something happens, maybe in a relationship, God, why'd you bring this person to my life? No, man, they made some bad choices, and we probably did too. But sometimes we have to turn the page and say, all right, God, I'm your field, I'm your vineyard. Prune me, shake the tree a little bit. How many ever feel like God's shaking the tree a little bit, right? And in the midst of the world that's crazy, division in the body of Christ. Let me tell you, someone who allows the rain of God's presence to fall down on their heart, division cannot exist there. Racism cannot exist there. Hatred and violence cannot exist in a place where God's presence rests upon. Our hearts, we learn to love. Our hearts become like the mercy seat. I want that kind of community. I want to see us become an ecclesia that reflects and resounds the heart of the Father to a broken world. So the word, the word synergy is where Paul says, you are his co-workers. You, there's a synergy between you and I and God, and God wants to use us to bring it to the world around us. He wants the impact that we have not to be alone, but be with one another and partnered with heaven so we can impact the world. He says, I planted Apollos water. God gave the increase. Paul says, grow up, church. Grow up, church. Stop acting like this. This division is not from God. There's uh, writing from the early church where it's not included in the canon of Scripture, the 27 books that I was mentioning that we all know of as the New Testament, but there's apostolic fathers, there's church fathers. There's uh, actually a book called Apostolic Fathers, and there's writing in there where uh, Clement, a bishop from the early church, is writing to the same church, the church of Corinth, the latter part of the first century, and he's dealing with the same stuff. And he says, man, you gotta stop this Maverick stuff. There's young men that are trying to take over, and, and uh, by the way, who's seen Top Gun, the new Top Gun? It's good, they all die at the end if you haven't seen it yet, so sorry. Spoiler alert, no, I'm kidding. Maverick, that, that's, you know, that's my attention, just woo. Maverick made me think of Top Gun. It's a great movie, we saw it yesterday with the family. Um, so there's these mavericks, and they're, they're trying to take over the church. And this church father, this church bishop, this anointed leader in the body of Christ is trying to bring correction to the community that's operating in some chaos. And he uses a beautiful example where he says, look at the harmony in nature, the way spring gives away in succession to the summer." And it's beautiful because it's like there is this bowing, this honor that we as the people of God should have for one another the same harmony that we see in nature. And Paul's dealing with the same thing and it came up years later. You know, you wonder if maybe Paul, if they had received the the correction of the father heart of Paul as the church, would they have dealt with this? Would Clement, would he have had to write this letter Uh, years later. The other thing he says, he says, you're God's field, field, his vineyard. Abide in him. I want to read to you John 15 real quick. John 15 is where Jesus talks about abiding in him. He's the vine, we're the branches. And there's this intimacy in uh, abiding in him. But here's what it says. He says in verse nine, I love you in the same way my fathers love me. Make yourself at home in my love. How do we abide in Him, we let God love us. We let His love nourish our hearts, our souls, our minds. And when that happens, we become the garden and the community that God has designed. So good. The other thing He says is, you are God's building. Now, this is profound. You are God's building. Again, we're not the church alone. We're the church together. What does it mean to be God's building Being God's vineyard is abiding in Him. Being God's building is Him abiding in us. It's very intimate. It's about union with Him and union with one another. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head of Aaron running down his beard glory to God, beards, yeah, down to the edge of his garments. In other words, a body of people that are dwelling in unity, the anointing overflows and it affects every part of the body. There is not one part of the body that misses the fresh oil of heaven when we dwell together in unity. There's a priestly blessing. There's an authority. Something happens when we choose to dwell together in unity. There's an intimacy. So, God's vineyard is us abiding in Him, God, being God's building where we're fitly framed together. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit together. This is what Paul says. That's Him abiding in us. But it's not just us individualistically. Like I think we make so much about, we make our destiny about us alone. Like the Scripture in Galatians says, until Christ is formed in you. How many know That he wasn't just talking about Christ being formed in your life personally. He's actually writing to the church and saying, Christ is being formed in you. You are becoming the body of Christ to the world around you. We always make it about our own personal destiny and agenda. And God's like, you're not just the temple alone, you're the temple together. So, what's Paul saying? You're God's field, you're God's building. You're the garden of community that he has to bear fruit. You're the vineyard. Abide in him, but he also wants to abide in you and rest upon you. There's this intimate language here. It reminds me of a verse. I want to read this to you real quick. It reminds me of a verse in John where Jesus, just before John 15, talks about the Holy Spirit and what happens. If you have your Bibles, just turn to John chapter 14 real quick. So just before John 15... He's telling them this is what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. And it's this language of intimacy. John chapter 14, verse 19, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Hallelujah. That's intimate language. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Right before this, he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The spirit of truth is coming that the world can't receive. He said, I will not leave you orphans. He says, in that day, you will know that I'm in the Father and that I'm in you and you and me. That's intimate language, abiding in him, letting God nourish my heart, letting God love me. If I let God love me, I can love people around me, even through relational stuff. I love what my wife is saying is like, you know, God can use the crap and turn it into like fertilizer that we can bear more. Even the stuff we go through, the hard stuff we go through in relationships, God can take church hurt and turn it into church fruit. Like he can take all the stuff that we go through if we choose to love. If we break up fallow ground, we don't allow our hearts to be made callow, like or fallow. We we break up the fallow ground and we choose love. Wow. Abiding in him, letting him love me, and then being the temple, him abiding in us, not just individually, but as the corporate temple of the living God. The other day, my my daughter. Actually, how many are just enjoying the weather? Come on, Rochester, who loves the sun? Come on, somebody. Oh, I lived here for two years. I don't even know what it's like. Some of y'all have been here 20 years. I came from Vegas, and I'll just tell you, I have taken the sun for granted. And I, I really have taken the sun for granted. Now, the sun here is filtered with Rochester fog. The sun in Vegas is desert. Poke your eye out, sun. Like Saul on the road to Damascus. Oh, I can't see anything. Scales across your eyes. Last time I visited there, I was driving and I couldn't even see the sun. But it's, it's wonderful. So every, I feel like the summer has finally arrived, or the spring, I could say, has finally arrived. And every day's cookout day. Who's with me? A matter of fact, we're having a cookout today. Y'all are invited. No, I'm just playing. My wife's like, don't, no, honey, we're not ready for that. I did that one time when we first planted the church. I'm like, literally, we had been at church like two months. There's like 130 people. The Lord was just adding to the body. And I'm like, we're doing a barbecue today. My house. Everybody showed up. (laughs) And more. (laughs) We should have done an altar call at the house. More people would have got saved. But every day has been like volleyball, cookout. Come on, somebody. Like, get the burgers. Let's go. Now, I, I like playing sports. I'm a little older. I'm not really that competitive though. Do you believe me? Why? Why do I like okay? I'm not that competitive. I'm willing to risk bodily injury when I play sports. Is that competitive? Okay. And I always get injured because I'm old. The other day I like sprained my toe playing volleyball. Intense volleyball. I mean, like, Christian and David, they're diving for the ball. Just, you know, when you risk bodily injury, I don't care, scrapes, cuts, I'm going to break a bone. Bone is going to come out of my skin, but I'm going to win the game. (laughs) That's not competitive at all. So we're playing, and my nine-year-old little Layla, who's very athletic, is playing, and she's learning, and she's pretty good, but the game was a little too intense, and she's playing, and they're all, like, doing their intense volleyball thing. My wife and I are sitting down on the front porch, and Layla comes over crying, sits down, crying like this, just pouting a little bit. She's such a sweetie. Um, she gets that from her mom, the sassy part from me, praise God. And and I said, Layla, what's wrong, honey? She says, I just don't want to be little anymore. I wish I was big. And I said, honey, no. And I said, come over here, sit on my lap. And I just started loving on her. And I, I heard the Spirit of God say, pay attention to this. And I started encouraging her. I said, Layla, you'd miss out on all the moments of growing up and learning and the moments of discovery. And then You'd, get, you'd be old, you have to pay bills. You don't want to pay bills, Layla. <laughs> Trust me, you think school's bad, right? And I'm just pouring out fatherly love on her. How many of sometimes we just need a, a dad hug? Paul's giving the church a dad hug. The next chapter is when he says, you have a lot of teachers, but not many fathers. Sometimes we talk about God in the abstract, but we forget He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just reference one member of the Godhead. Overly referenced to where we forget about Papa. We forget about in the end of the story, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. They will confess Jesus as Lord to the glory of God the Father. We cry out, Abba. See, the Spirit reveals Jesus. Jesus reveals the heart of His Father. Sometimes we leave out the Father. And in this moment, Layla was frustrated, and the Lord reminded me, he said, you do this to me sometimes. You are so focused on the future and so stuck in what I've done in the past that you're not living and enjoying my presence in the moment. And this is what the church is doing. And sometimes we do this in life, and we forget about the family and the community that's right in front of us. I need a reset button every once in a while as a dad to sit at the table with my wife and my kids, and we try to do intentional moments sitting at the table. But I believe that this word that God is saying is, you're his field, his vineyard, and you're his temple. And Paul says something really profound towards the end of this. And I'll, I'll be closing with this in reference to us being the temple of God. It's, like, it's kind of like one of those scary words. You know those scary verses we don't like to read? <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 3, towards the end of this, Paul's like, grow up, get rid of the division. Get your eyes off us, get your eyes on Jesus. Because a church that's established And focus on Jesus as one the gates of hell cannot prevail against. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 16. And then he says this. He says, you're God's field, his vineyard, and you're God's building. He's building it. Then he goes on. He says, don't you know that you're God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Sometimes we think we're defiling the temple of God just from abstaining from some sort of sin, which is true. Like the Bible talks about sexual sin defiles the temple. But if we defile, hear me, the sacredness of church community, we're actually defiling the temple. If we disrupt the harmony and the sacredness of a marriage, we're disrupting, come on, God's order and design. If I cause division in a friendship that God ordained, who knows that I'm not actually being used by God? The other guy, you know, the horns, that guy. Sometimes sermons are even designed to empower the thought that God took that person out of your life. Maybe they chose to and maybe there should be a healthy boundary with some toxic individuals that we've had interactions and hurts and pains and situations with. But how many know that God doesn't divide? God unites and restores. He is a reconciler. He is a restorer of the broken. Come on. He's, he's the one who, who became the God-man to restore all of humanity back to himself. God is about reconciliation. And He's about healing church her. And He's about healing church her, not just for the sheep, but the pastors too. For the leaders, for everybody. Because community is sacred. We are the temple of God. We are the vineyard of God. It's time to bear fruit. It's time to let God water us with His love and presence and let Him love us. It's time to break up that fallow ground. It's time to realize that if we defy or we disrupt the harmony and the sacredness of being the temple of God, we're actually disrupting that community, we're disrupting the the temple. I don't know about you, but God have mercy on any time that I've ever done that. Thinking that heaven was empowering me to bash the bride. Thinking that heaven was empowering me. God forbid somebody talk smack about my wife. How do you think Jesus' heart feels when we start bashing ministries and churches doesn't matter if they're they're not right there's a lot of we're not perfect either but God give us your heart because we're the vineyard of heaven we are the body of Christ let's be the church together let's allow the synergy of God to unite us together so we can impact the world around us And not be so distracted with what God's going to do. What God's going to do is wonderful and brilliant. Listen, we're about ready to finish the building over here. And the church is going to grow even bigger. And that's exciting. But I don't want to be so excited about that that I forget about what God's doing right now. And I don't want to be so stuck in, well, what God did in the past. And No, listen, I love what God did in the past. He's building on that. But what He's doing now, He's doing something new. We have to learn to slow down. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Just become careless in the care of God. Don't worry about tomorrow. Look at the birds. They don't reap or sow, and your father feeds them. You're so much more valuable than they are. God, teach me to live in the moment. Because my little Layla in that moment, when she, I want to be big. I don't want to be little anymore. God's like, son, you do the same thing. You're trying to live out your destiny that I have for you in 10 years, and you're forgetting about what's happening right now. I said, Layla, you would miss out on so much stuff if you just got big overnight. If I took myself from when I was a baby Christian to right now, I would have missed out on a lot of encounters with the love and the heart of God. A lot of hurts, a lot of pains, but a lot of healing and a lot of restoration. A lot of broken times, a lot of sacrifice, but a lot of beautiful, beautiful things that God manifested right in the midst and what Layla maybe maybe she didn't realize that in that very moment she was crying wanting to play an intense game she was sitting in her father's lap so may we be aware that if we're not living in the present trying to look so far down the road blinded by the beauty in front of us or we're looking back we're stuck in the past good and bad but if we just hear me slow down to the very present moment right now you're seated on the father's lap and we need the father's love to be the church to be the bride to be the body to heal the world the world would look and say, that's love. Paul ended his very last words to the church of Corinth in the second letter. He says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He ended with a Trinitarian benediction that God's love would just surround the church. How many can say amen to that? Let me pray for you and dismiss you. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you're doing in the body of Christ. We are your field. We are your vineyard. We are your building. Forgive us when we disrupt the sacredness of community in our relationships and love for one another. Because it's this love that we have for you and one another and the love you have for us that overflows to the world around. And we want to be the light. We want to be the salt. We want to be the healing balm to the broken world. So teach us to love. Teach us to be family. Dissolve and disintegrate offense, division, violence, hatred, racism, all the stuff that needs to die under the light and the fire and the glory of your love. We are your temple. We thank you for your love. We thank you for mature saints rising up and teach us to live in the moment and not take for granted every valuable person right in front of us, our family, the family of God. We love you, Papa. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.